I think it's so important that women are direct. I think if you're not happy with what's happening or you have never been direct, I think it's important to say, uh, I want to be a pastor in this church. I deserve to be a pastor. I'm called to be a pastor in the church. Can we have a conversation about this? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Isaac's podcast called When Women Preach. Why this podcast? This podcast began as part of the Louisville Institute grant project, Imagining a More Equal Pulpit. We women could not wait until male pastors open up their pulpit to us. So what a better way for us to enter into this um, digital space to make gender inequality little bit more tolerable and to change that inequality and inequity. And I'm delighted to introduce Joanna Choi and John Park, who goes by JP. My joy of having them today, which is the first Joanna's production on her own merit, who succeed Miriam Cho and her wish. I happened to ask her not long before she passed on that what is going well with the podcast and what do you think we need to improve? And she produced that report immediately after my question as she's so prompt all the time. She said, we need to have male ally to join us so that uh, they can shine, shine some light as to how they can influence their own species. <laughs> so here we are, and this podcast continues through now Lily Endowment Project, Pastoral Lab. And today, I want to introduce Joanna Choi, who is part of Orange County Pastoral Lab cohort and newly ordained teaching pastor at Numa Church. I'm delighted that Joanna is ordained and the very person who is responsible for ordaining Joanna, JP, John Park, Numa Church planter and woman in ministry advocate, and he is one of a kind, I call, because he talks about gender equality, but he also walks, and there are very few who really mean it. Talk is cheap, but here we are. We are so pleased to have John Park, Pastor JP, who is in partnership relationship with men and women in church ministry. Well, we're also going to talk about the Miriam Cho Multimedia for Social Justice Internship. We think there's no better way to remember her legacy and her passion when she was introduced to produce podcast, she wanted to take it over completely, so I let her do that. <laughs> and um, as her wish, 
fulfilling her wish, we invited JP, male ally. And we are in the middle of campaigning the Miriam Cho Multimedia for Social Justice Internship to multiply what she has done without multimedia skill set. Social justice is hard to implement. So stay tuned and we'll be announcing that officially at Isaac's 15th year anniversary gala on October 16th at the Church of Our Savior, St. Gabriel. So Joanna, lead us. Thank you, Young. I wanted to start off by sharing what this podcast means to me. Mm -hmm. I love this podcast because it is a mixture of storytelling and equipping. So the personal stories of these women that give their voice a platform and bring light to their lives and the way God has spoken to them. In the last episode, Pastor Adelita said, go back to the place that you knew that you knew that you knew that God called you. Mm-hmm. You know, and only someone who has gone through what she has gone through, the doubts, the pain, the uncertainty, the rejection, would know this. And only someone who is going through a similar experience would know what she's talking about. And the people who haven't gone through this probably will, or they'll know at least one person who does. So the way this podcast brings these voices to the forefront and touches on every level is those who have and those who will, and that's equipping. That's what this podcast does. And that sense of feeling seen is so empowering because being a minority voice can be lonely. And knowing that these women are out there and the stories that are now being told and shared is connecting us. And it connects us on a level that goes beyond just us individualistically, but it brings all of us into this larger narrative that God is weaving together when it comes to women having a more equal pulpit. Mm -hmm. So for that, I'm incredibly honored to be a part of this and to continue the work that you and Miriam have planted and have sewn into for 18 episodes together. (laughs) Joanna, you are the only one who might have listened to all the episodes. And uh, your last one that Miriam didn't finish, you completed We have 86 downloads, and all the episodes download combined, it's more than 1,600. And listeners are all over United States and even Australia and China, everywhere. So we are truly delighted and excited. So, JP, you have done an amazing work of seeing amazing gift in Joanna and generous enough to share her with Isaac. So please share more about Joanna. She's so humble. She's a perfect successor of Miriam for this position. Um, I, I definitely agree with you in how you describe her. I uh, in no way have any authority to keep her from you. So um, (laughs) I I, I don't share her in any sense, in the sense that um, I I just know this is 
This is the work of God and Holy Spirit. It's the right time. It's the right fit. She's called. She's gifted. It's, it's, um, I, I truly believe this is the right position and person for what's happening. And in the midst of this very painful moment uh, of losing such a dear friend, Miriam, uh, to you and to the ministry, um, you know, God somehow um, rises up um, the right person out of this pain as well. So um, thank you for letting me be on this. And uh, I, I'm happy to uh, be listening and contributing to both of your ministries. So mm -hmm. thank you. I just want to insert one more. Two events comforted me during this moment of grief. Setting up the Miriam Cho internship and Joanna, who knows, even though she didn't meet through pastoral lab application process, Joanna and Miriam, they communicated and both of them saw each other very favorably. And Joanna saying yes to this call to continue and the fact that she knows Miriam made a huge deal for me. And it really helped me move on beyond just the lamenting and grieving. So, Joanna, you're on. Lead us. Thank you, Young. And thank you, JP, for joining us today. As Young has mentioned, you saw me before I saw myself as a leader. You did throw me into some fires um, in the best way, and it did lead me here today. I wanted to do an introduction as to who you are before we jump into our questions. So first and foremost, you're an incredible father of two wonderful kids, and you are a husband. You're also the lead pastor at NUMA Community Church and a director of a mentoring program called Spectrum Mentoring. So you have really dedicated your life to empowering people, whether it's men or women. And I think one of the gifts that you have is being able to see the potential in people even before they see it within themselves. So the first question I have for you, Young mentioned earlier that Miriam really wanted to invite male allies onto the podcast. You've recently ordained me as the teaching pastor into our church. And as long as I've known you, you have both yielded to women leaders and you have supported them. So how would you explain your theology when it comes to women in ministry and where was that belief forged? Um, I've had the privilege of uh, having most of my life experiences when it came to learning and when it came to being mentored um, happening under women leaders. And um, it, it's something that when you experience something like that, um, it's hard to deny the, the power, the gifting. It, and, and for me, just to be frank, I just saw it as normal. It was very normal to see that. So um, 
I, I, I did a little bit of reflecting on this question, and um, my first four pastors were women. And um, every elementary teacher in my life, except my kindergarten teacher, was a woman. And then uh, most of my high school teachers were women. And uh, so if you think about the leadership experience, not just that I have, but many people grow up with, mothers, women uh, are at the forefront of teaching people and leading people. And that was no different from me. And also my mom is the fourth of six uh, sisters. And the seventh is uh, um, uh, a, a man, uh, a brother. And so um, he's, he's, you know, in Korean, they call it gongchi, right? The last one. And um, so I, I think when you see something as a norm and then you're told by people that it should not be normal, it's a different perspective and paradigm to which you approach, um, you know, the theological patriarchy or these ideas that people use scripture to throw around. Um, so um, even when we planted Numa Church over 10 years ago, I didn't plant it alone. I planted it with a woman pastor. Um, and the reason why we even planted Numa Church, other than the work of the Spirit of God, the circumstances were that the church that her husband planted, which was one of the first Korean-American churches, second-generation second Korean-American churches in America, um, refused to ordain her as a pastor because she was a woman. So um, that was a pivotal point in my spirituality when we started a church it was um it was outrageous that um they refused to recognize her as a woman so so much of my experience uh helped inform me also theologically this is not just experience this is theology but you know a lot of people would i think uh, in my opinion um arrogantly say that uh, their experiences don't inform their theology, but that's just ludicrous. You know, our experiences absolutely inform what we believe and, and, and it shapes our interpretation of scripture. And so um, I believe that the scripture actually in the work of the Holy Spirit confirms that women should be in ministry and should be in pastoral ministry. I don't think this is uh, an issue at all when it comes to the scripture and the work of the Holy Spirit. And if uh, there's time in the podcast or not to go into that, it's a worthy discussion to have because so many denominations, especially in the Asian American church, deny women the ability to be in pastoral ministry. Uh, but they're fine with it when it comes to youth ministry, or they're fine with it when it comes to children's ministry. And in, in that way, I believe that uh, my perspective and opinion is that they violate their own theology by doing that. It's a, it, it's a culturally expedient or a practically expedient way of just being able to brush aside uh, their own beliefs. If you really believe a woman should be quiet or not be a leader or not be a teacher, but you allow them to be uh, in ministry in for practical reasons other than for you know, men and adults and elder positions, then I think that's 
you know, very hypocritical. So um, I went to Fuller Seminary and, uh, you know, Fuller Seminary, if you go to their website, has a fantastic, um, poignant focus on how the scriptures point us to women in ministry. A lot of uh, denominations also, uh, like PCUSA or uh, The Vineyard, also have uh, have a very um, scripture-based, word-based view of why women in ministry are important. So um, I think between those two things and then also just common sense and just studying history, uh, it makes no sense that we deny women uh, the position of power and and uh, influence in the church. Mm-hmm. As you said, JP, that um, common sense approach makes sense here. Um, the majority who are sitting in the pew are women. Wow. So <laughs> drowning are not representing women's voice from the pulpit is really not common sense approach. Absolutely. JP, what you mentioned is really important to hear. I'm curious what it is like to watch that happen. What was it like to watch the woman pastor who helped plant this church not be welcomed into the church community? And how did you respond to that? Uh, I, I have done um, my best to try to get the Christianese out of my vocabulary. And, 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 and I didn't use the word, I, I've never personally used the word deconstruction in my life. I didn't actually know the word really existed until recently, but um, the idea of it I got. And I, um, I have tried, um, and it's a daily exercise, to try to sound and live um, as a common person so that spirituality, if spirituality is in, in everything already, then why do we need to try to spiritual spiritualize common things? Because it's already spiritual then. So um, in, in so doing, um, a lot of the things in the world of theology and in, in, in the church um, that I have been familiar with, I've tried to filter out so that it could become easier to understand. I hope that's um, understandable. But um, to answer the question, um, the reason why I prefaced it like that was it was just painful. It was just painful to watch uh, a, a woman pastor who was gifted, talented, called, had all the reasons to be a pastor be denied it simply because she was a woman. It was painful. And I think if I... Uh, put it in some Christianized way, you know, you could say, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, you can use all these spiritual words, but I saw her cry. I saw her in tears. I saw her feel rejection. I saw her have to wrestle with things that she shouldn't have had to wrestle with um, because of men who denied her certain um, things out of their own privilege. And they called it from God. And so um, it was. It was a terrible experience to, um, you know, 
go through that. You know, from a historical note too, I think this is the thing that men, um, as a man, um, I, I mean this when I say this, is I literally don't think we understand and we we can feel and empathize. We can sympathize, but I don't know how deeply we can empathize. You know, women didn't have the right to vote in America until just a hundred years ago. And, you know, I'm a big, I love to read. I love to um, read and study things that have no, you know, practical purpose in my life. But um, one of the things I did read was about how, the, the Catholic Church and the church in general in America were the leading um, advocates against giving women the right to vote, you know. And their excuses and reasonings were the exact same reasons they use today to, uh, to say women can't be leaders in ministry. You know, that there's a role that they can't play and women shouldn't be in the role of politics and women shouldn't have the role. They should just be, they should use their role, you know, in the house well. And, oh, this had nothing to do with your value and worth. But if you ever ask a woman that to them, Every woman that at least I've heard say it absolutely has everything to do with our power and worth and value. If you deny us the things um, that, whether it's common sense or it's scripture or whatever, uh, are allotted to men, it absolutely cuts to the heart of who your identity is. So um, it was painful. It was so painful that I left the church. And... Um, you know, for me, as uh, in some ways, I consider myself a charismatic Christian. There was a prophetic moment years before I left the church uh, where someone uh, that I respected, she was a woman and she came to me and said, I have a word of the Lord for you. And I said, I'm ready to hear it. And she, you know, this is when cassette tapes were a big deal, right? So she turned on the cassette t recording and said, this is the word of the Lord for you. You know, she, and it was nothing against people. It wasn't negative in any way, but it was, it's time for you to leave your church and go feed the hungry. Those were the exact words she said. It's time for you to go leave your church and go feed the hungry. And I did not listen and do what she, I should have just dropped it and done it. But this woman of God came and gave me that word. And it's so interesting because in Acts chapter 2, there's this prophetic word about the end times where it says, you know, your sons and daughters will prophesy. And then there's another part where it says, even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit is the work of dismantling these patriarchal, men-centric um, institutions, especially within the church. And that's not the work of feminism. That's not the work of just feminist leaders, which I believe are good. Uh, that's the work of the, the very spirit of God. And so um, what was it like? It was painful for me to see, but it was exponentially more painful for for my pastor at the time to go through. And it wasn't enough for me to just feel sorry for her. I, I had to leave with her. I had to start a new community with her. We needed to have her be at the uh, forefront of our church. Um, so that's what it was like.
Wow. If I may add one, um, you know, there's a ascribed status and achieved status. When you are discriminated by what you did not choose, you were born with it. That is racism and sexism, right? Yes, it is. That's what makes uh, those discriminations so unbearable. It's one thing that you are discriminated because you committed some sin or you did something wrong. And therefore, it is amendable, right? But it's your bone with. And that's where the pain cuts very deep. I heard this morning, Harvard grad, very capable Chinese-American woman, just exited from the church after all. Too much pain. What does church understand that they are losing enormous talent simply because they cannot accommodate and assign women to their rightful, you know, God-given gifts to be exercised? That's heavy. You know, I feel that many times the church should be the ones who are ahead of these movements. It reminds me of what somebody said about temperatures. They described it as you can either set the temperature or you adjust to it. And it just feels like a lot of the times the church is catching up to the temperature that's been adjusted elsewhere. And what we're trying to do here, and I think what Isaac is doing, is setting the temperature and saying, this is what it should be, right? This is what it should be. Mm-hmm. JP, there are so many women, um, you know, the one that Young just mentioned as well, who are experiencing the type of pain you have been describing. So what would you say to the men in the community who are inflicting this pain either knowingly or unknowingly because silence is just as pain just as complicit so what would you say to the woman as well i i think um I, i think for if i could say something first to women and then to men. Would that be okay if I if I could give my opinion to women than men? Um, this is from my perspective as an individual, and also I, I don't in any way think that I represent all men in this, but um, I do have a thought, my personal thought, which is if I were to have uh, coffee with someone or talk with someone and they were in this position um, and, and, and they were hurting and they were wrestling with this. I think one of the thoughts, Young kind of referred to it as, uh, you may really want to consider leaving the church before you leave the church. Because I think sometimes people come to a point where they just, it's so painful that they leave God and they leave what God is doing in their life. And they go through so so much trauma that um, we lose women in the church for, for, decades sometimes, you know, and they have to go through their own recovery and deconstruction and therapy because they tried to hang in there too long. And, um, and so I think, you know, that question is a very personal question that everyone has to wrestle with, but, you know, do you want to leave your church before you leave the church? And, um, and the reason why I say that, the reason why I address that to women first before men is because of this. I think that, um, men, 
in the church. Uh, if if me, if the the scenario or the the circumstances that men in power are not allowing women to have roles of leadership in the church, uh, men uh, if they haven't changed, I I wonder if they will change. If they haven't changed, I wonder how long it will take for them to change. And there is a lot to this when it comes to my own uh, process of, of, of ministry and viewing ministry. I, there's a completely different um, area that I focus on first, which is if you haven't rooted out the love of money and you haven't rooted out the love of power in the church, then your whole leadership model is already skewed. And too much power is put into roles and too much um, authority is put into roles already in the church. So to give them up is going to feel like a loss when isn't the whole idea of leadership to be servants and to lift up other people and to equip the church so that they can do the work of ministry. And when we as leaders do that, then the fullness of Christ comes into the church. This is just easy theology in Ephesians 4. So I think that because too much power and too much authority has been harnessed oftentimes by men in the church, then when it comes to leadership roles uh, in the church, it seems like there's a loss of power. And so I've seen men not give up power to other men too. And just because of that, you know, you hear these stories of pastors hanging on way too long to their to their pulpits because they don't want to give it up to another person. Um, but when it comes to women specifically, it's then we're dealing with other layers of misogyny and patriarchy and personal history and uh, cultural, you know, pressures. So, in so doing, uh, I think to men, I would say that this is. This is on us. We have uh, a lot of, we need, you know, to use some Korean, um, uh, you know, anecdotal things. Uh, you need to go to your prayer mountain. You need to go to your, you need to go to your Kidoan for, uh, and go on a 40 day fast and um, deconstruct you, our ideas of power and leadership and ministry and see that the work of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures is constantly progressive. It's constantly moving us forward. And, and, and that progressiveness, if you even take out the political implications of that, is offensive to that which came before it. And so it, it's easy. And, and in many ways, the only way to embrace the offense is humility. And so I think that we as men have a lot to do uh, personally as pastors to do that, but also to just talk about it and to get it out in the open and to challenge it is going to be important. So like with that, I think back to women, I think it's so important that women are direct. I think if you're not happy with what's happening or you have never been direct, I think it's important to say, uh, I want to be a pastor in this church. I deserve to be a pastor. I'm called to be a pastor in the church. Can we have a conversation about this? Or why is it not happening? And not live in the fog of, well, it will happen one day. Or this is, I just need to wait on the Lord. You know, you're not waiting on the Lord. You're, you might be waiting on misogynistic men. You know, and so uh, in so doing, when you're direct, then you can, when, when there's a no, then you can go. 
you know, when there's a no, then you can go to green pastures where they will absolutely affirm your calling and give you the pulpit and the place for you to do what you need to do. And, and there's, rather than going through unnecessary trauma, um, and unnecessary, um, infighting. And then, you know, in many ways, Jesus, I, you know, this isn't the context in which you use it, but then just wipe the dust off your feet right there and just say, you know, God bless you and let's see what happens to you and go and do what God has called you to do rather than lingering in the pain uh, for too long. I'd like to add that it is men's interest and men's health that... Um, you practice inclusive leadership because gender equality and equity are good for both gender and it makes you healthy because I've seen women who are excluded in the decision making. This is uh, at the immigrant church. The way to get through man's heart is through their stomach, right? So they would come and turn around all male sessions decision during the weekdays by putting up a feast and feeding the male pastor and sweeten. And so men who are listening, I don't know whether any men would download our episode, but if you want to play head, then expect woman to be your neck and woman will turn your, your head around. <laughs> so either way, it's unhealthy. And a healthy way of modeling leadership is acknowledging everybody's gifts, gift of the Holy Spirit, as JP mentioned. Otherwise, you are not becoming the body of Christ. You cannot be the church if you do not practice attending to the weaker part of your body. So it is for both male and female, mental health and modeling healthy leadership, gender equality and equity matter. And we want to clone you and multiply you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, what episode podcast can do. So if I may just um, invite listeners in various ways you can participate is not just passively downloading our episodes, but also sp spreading the words so that we can amplify women's voices and why women's voice matter in the church. And also, if you can support us, that would be even, you know, better or much appreciated so it all takes a lot of labor and um, Joanna is working tirelessly you only get to hear audio tape but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes many many hours of sound editing so I want to acknowledge that labor thank you Wow, there are so many good things that were said here today. And JP, we just want to thank you again for coming on and sharing. 
the way that you walk this out, we see it, we're witnesses to it. I'm the fruit of it. And so thank you so much. If you'd like to support Isaac in producing this podcast or our overall mission of supporting AAPI and Latina women ministers, you can donate to Isaac at isaacweb.org.